Okay, I think it's now time to introduce our keynote speaker. Our keynote speaker for this evening is Patricia from Rhode Island. Hi, my name is Pat. I'm a compulsive overeater from Portsmouth, Rhode Island. Oh, my God, there's a lot of you out there. Okay. Um, I'm going to tell you what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. Uh, I'm going to qualify first. I've always liked when people did that first. Um, I came into these rooms April 3rd, 1978, and my top weight prior to program was 230 pounds. And through the grace of God and the 12 steps, I've been abstinent for 40 years. What it was like was growing up in a home where my mother was my binge buddy. Um, I often say that when I left Portsmouth, because I'm from Portsmouth, Rhode Island, that's where I grew up, and then I met this wonderful man. We moved across country to the West Coast for a number of years, and I came back home. And, but growing up, my mom and I really, really loved the S word, sugar. Um, you know, sugar was my drug of choice. It was from a very, very young age. And I remember, you know, going to bakeries every Saturday. And I often say when I left the East Coast to go back to, uh, Rhode, go out to Rhode Island, no, go out to California, they closed down. The two bakeries retired, went to Florida, and we never saw them again. But that's not true. One of them is still there. Um, anyway, you know, growing up, it was from the age of seven, I was obese. And from that point on until I came into these rooms, I was never a normal weight. Um, as I went through my growing up years, I was not one of the pretty people. I didn't expect to ever have a date. And the only time I did have one is when I asked the boy. And I remember one time, it was a Halloween dance. And my mother had helped prepare a costume for me and all of that. And the kid tried to get out of it. God help him. I threatened him. I said, we're going. My girlfriend and I, you know, we were going to this dance, and that's it. And we did, and I had a miserable time. And, you know, that's <laughs> the way it was. Um, you know, when I got into my older years, there was a period of time from 19 to 21 that I had pretty much a blackout. Um, prior to that, I was a victim of attempted rape, and it was a family member, and so I just gained huge amounts of weight at that time. I went to doctors and all of that, and I remember one time my mom and I going to the family doctor, and I got a chance to see what... Whoop, Oh, sorry, folks. Um, what he was writing, and he was writing morbidly obese on the paper, and I cried. I was so, so devastated. Um, the disease of compulsive overeating, and I know it's a disease today, led me to stroke level high blood pressure at age 12. The only reason I wasn't hop hospitalized was because I was 12, and that my mother promised to put me on a diet. You know, going through all these years, I would do yo-yo. Now, I'll, anybody who wants to see my pictures, I'll show them to you after the meeting is over um, to prove, because I know when I came into my rooms, I didn't believe some of the people when they talked. And I'll show you what it was like, um, the truth. So anyway, you know, 
I, I cried. I, I, you know, I lost weight. And then life hit again, and I gained weight. Um, when I was in my early 20s, I'd say 25, after that, that period of time where I kind of was in a blackout, um, I started going into Newport, Rhode Island to dance. And we'd go to the clubs and do all of that with my girlfriends. And while I was there, uh, one evening, actually it was an afternoon, into the evening, there was this really, really cute guy sitting next to me at the bar. And, you know, he had dimples, and he had this flat-top haircut, and he had, you know, um, just he just was so different. He, he didn't look like the guys who were in Portsmouth, you know. And so he asked me to dance, and I said yes. And we stayed out on the floor, and we had just a really good time. And then my girlfriends and I had this signal out in the parking lot that when – one of us, you know, we're going to leave the parking lot because she was with a guy and I was with this one. And, you know, we'd toot the horn and then we'd meet at this local restaurant. And it was a parking lot, you know? It was like 2 o'clock in the morning or something. Of course, somebody tooted the horn. She took off. I never saw her again. You know, and here I am with this guy I had never seen before sitting right over there at the end of this row. And you can't see it on the tape, but... <laughs> And I asked him, I said, are you a good person? Because if you're not, I will call my mother, and she will come pick me up. And I meant it. I had done it before. And so he took me home. He said, yes, I'm a good person. He took me home. And 10 months later, we were married. And this coming November the 27th, one day at a time, we'll be married 48 years. So, you know, we drove cross-country on our honeymoon because he's from the Midwest, and we got to see every relative known to man <laughs> as we left Rhode Island and went across country. And they were all very nice to me. I was very, very pleased. I'm a second wife, and so you never know. Uh, I think some of them just kind of looked with one eye were waiting for a floozy, you know? And because I wasn't, they were relieved. So... Of course, going across country, we did a lot of eating, and I gained weight. And then we got to the, our you know, location. My husband was active-duty military. He was Navy, and we had a Navy uh, duty station called Fallon, Nevada. And it's a naval air station. It's still there, and I lost weight. You know, I was happy there, lost weight. And then life hit, and I gained weight. And then I lost weight and gained weight. We moved to California to be closer to his two daughters. And at that time, there were really a lot of things that went on. A lot, a lot of heavy stuff was going on. And so I gained weight. And my blood pressure started going sky high again. And I was getting older. And so therefore, you know, the doctors really did a lot of checkups on me and all that kind of stuff and a lot of tests. And they said, your high blood pressure is due to obesity. And that's what's causing the hypertension. And I lost weight. We got out of the military, went down to San Diego. And I will be forever grateful we went down there because this is where I was introduced to Overeaters Anonymous. Now, I used to read Dear Abby, and I never, ever saw OA mentioned in Dear Abby. Never. Um, but I had a girlfriend who was going through a really ugly divorce, 
And there was something about her. She was she had a job as a postal carrier. She had been a hairdresser, and so she was still doing my hair, but she lived a ways from me. So I'd go there, and she'd do my hair and everything. And she just seemed so peaceful. I didn't know the word serenity of those days. So peaceful, and she was losing weight. Now, she wasn't really, really heavy, heavy, but she was overweight. And so there she was, losing weight, feeling good. And I knew her divorce was an ugly divorce. Um, and I asked her, I said, you know, Mary Ellen, I said, uh, what are you doing? And she said, do you really want to know? Because, you know, when you're talking to somebody who was as obese as I was and just hit them with Overeaters Anonymous, could cause a little bit of difficulty there. And she said, um, well, if you really want to know, I'm going to Overeaters Anonymous, and if you'd like to come with me, I'll take you to your first meeting. But she said, you live a good ways from me. It's the other side of San Diego, and so you'll need to find another ride after that. I'll take you to the first one. And I said, yes. I said, yes. Because, see, about a week before that, I really had hit my bottom. Um, I was eating things I hated. You know, it didn't matter. I was, I've always had an aversion to nuts. Nuts reminded me of boogers. And <laughs> especially walnuts. And when they would be in any pastry, I would, whoop, I would, I, sorry. <laughs> Don't touch it. Um, if they were in pastry, I'd take them out. I'd just kind of take them out and eat around it and everything. And I was um, buying walnuts, cracking them, and eating them whole. And I knew there was something wrong. I could not stop. Um, I was eating as every waking minute. And so I got down on my knees one day, and I cried. And I said to my God, because I had always believed in God, I said, am I trying to kill myself? I can't stop. Please help me. And within a week's time, I was introduced to the program by my dear friend. And I've always been grateful to her. So she took me to that first meeting in San Diego, and it was a huge meeting. A couple of hundred people back in those days. Those meetings were really large. It was before a lot of off offshoots of meetings. And it was in San Diego, as I said, and they had a newcomer's meeting, and they sat us in the front row. And there was a stage like this, and I went ahead and sat in that front row, and I don't know, I couldn't tell you what the woman said, except one day at a time she did this. And I looked at her, and, you know, I just said, one day at a time. Maybe I can do this, too. And what happened in that room was I found hope. Um, in those days, our literature was the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and the AA 12 and 12. And I bought them both. And there was a little, little pamphlets, and I got a couple of pamphlets. And when the We Care book went around, I took down names and phone numbers of people that checked their name off as sponsors because, you know, I knew that I couldn't do this alone. You know, I don't know why I did that, but I knew I couldn't do it alone. And so, you know, I, I just went ahead and did that. And I left that meeting, and I did something that I never did, no matter where I went. I didn't eat. I used to eat no matter what happened when I'd go out. You know, it would be if I found a guy to dance with, if I didn't. You know, it didn't matter, whatever I was doing. And that particular time, I left there, she took me home, and I didn't eat. And I had another friend that I told about this, you know, this program, and she said, I'll go with you. So we went together, and we'd go every Monday night 
we'd go to that meeting. And, you know, after that next day after that meeting, on Tuesday morning, I started calling phone numbers on that list. And I got the most wonderful, the most loving, caring person who said she'd be willing to sponsor me. And, you know, sweet, sweet lady, so gentle with me because I was a royal pain. You know, um, she started me out on reading and writing assignments, working on the first three steps. What a blessing this was, you know. I had always believed in God, but I never thought about asking God to, you know, help me stop this eating. I just wanted to wake up, be thin, be beautiful on a stage and a star. You know, I lived in a lot of fantasy. And so... um, she would have me call my food in each morning at a certain time. And if my little defiant self did not do it on time, she'd be gone till the next day. I couldn't reach her. And, you know, that was how she taught me a little bit of discipline because I was very undisciplined. I was going to do it my way, you know. And I griped about doing the assignments, but you know what? I did them anyway. And I asked her at one point in time, I said, did you ever want to get rid of me? She says, oh, yeah, I thought about it a few times. <laughs> I don't blame her. I would have too. Uh, but she, she didn't, and she stuck with me, and she helped me through the first three steps, you know, to really write and read and do the writing and, you know, share it with her and all of that. And once we got to the fourth step, I found out she hadn't been in the program much longer than I was, and she hadn't done her fourth step. But she encouraged me to do mine, and I did. I did it by a format that was um, really long. It was using the seven deadly sins. And so, you know, it was very repetitious, but I learned how to put my feelings on paper. And I learned to look at myself and what I had been doing, you know, with my life and how it wasn't all about them doing it to me. You know, I had done things to myself and to others. So I continued writing that. And my first inventory I gave away. And she hadn't finished writing hers, so I gave it away to someone else. And the girl said, I don't, it doesn't matter what you say in here. Don't worry about it. She says, I have a terrible hearing problem. I've got an infection, and I can't hear you anyway. So... So, you know, I just read along, you know, and got it all out. And, you know, I I continued to write inventory as I became aware of more stuff, you know. Um, I had other sponsors. She disappeared. That particular sponsor disappeared. I tried to find her, and I couldn't find her after about a few months. And it was really sad, um, but I did get someone else. And then for a short period of time, I had a male sponsor, and I will be always grateful to him as well because he absolutely pounded home writing inventory by the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Now, I don't happen to be a member of that program. I am a compulsive overeater. Food has always been my drug of choice. You know, it still is. It will always be. It's a disease I have, and uh, that's what I use to shove all the feelings down and everything else. Um, so I did. I finally did it. And, you know, at that time, too, I found a sponsor that was my sponsor for more than 20 years. Um, she was someone who came to speak at one of my meetings there in, uh, in California, and she was married. You know, she and her husband had a beautiful relationship. She was thin. 
she had been maintaining, and, you know, I wanted what she had. And so I asked her to be my sponsor, and she was. And I kept her as my sponsor till I moved back here. And then I realized that I needed somebody more local. Um, and we had become such close friends that I needed more. I needed more than that. I needed somebody who was really going to tell me what they were hearing, you know, that I needed to, to change and continue to work. Um, working the steps, I continued to work my steps. And, you know, of course, did five and then six. Six and seven, I was skipping for a while, you know. My sponsor caught me doing the same thing over and over again. And so, watch this time. Um, what I had to do was really pay attention to it, read it in depth. Um, in the meantime, we came out with the OA 12-step book. It wasn't 12 and 12 at first. It was the 12-step book. And really read it in there. And it's beautifully done in our literature. Uh, there was more meat to it, so to speak. So, you know, <laughs> so I did that. And then it was time to do um, eight and, and nine. And I'm already fumbling over here. Eight and nine. Um, I wrote a list, and I kind of had a, a thing about doing every person that had ever irritated me in my whole life. They had to be on that list. And I, got, I was going so good at it that I wanted to get to 100 names. And so I did. 100 names on the list. And I lost that list. And I, I lost it at the home of one of my friends whose name was on the list. She, she never said a word. If she ever found it, I don't know, but she never said a word. And, you know, I knew which ones I needed to make my amends to, and I began to do that. You know, it was so cleansing for me to be aware of the fact that my attitudes and how I behaved with the disease of compulsive overeating, because I was not nice. When I was high on sugar, for me, it's white flour as well. You know, um, I could be very, very nasty with my tongue. I could cut you to shreds. And I don't do that today. Not even to my husband. I don't do that. And so, you know, I knew the ones I had to make the amends to. And through the grace of God and the 12 steps of this program, I did. And I made my amends. And some of them I hunted down. You know, um, it became almost like, I don't want to call it a game because it's not a game. This is a way of living. And I knew that I needed to make these amends. And I believe what the long timers said, in order to be free, I had to clear off all my wreckage of the past. The only wreckage I have left today is the loose flesh that's hanging on me because I wouldn't exercise when I lost my weight. So, you know, I continue to do that. And then I work my other steps. 10, 11, 12. My relationship with my higher power, my choose to call God, had always been good, but it wasn't the spiritual relationship I have today. Um, I always believed that God was not out to get me, but loved me. And I felt it wasn't God that was going to punish me. It was people. And so there were a lot of people in my life that I built walls around. And I did that wall of fat all around me so that you couldn't get to me, you know, and when that wall started falling off, it got a little scary, you know, just a little bit scary. And then of course the ego kicked in too, you know, and I had to keep remembering this is all because of God. 
This is all because of my higher power and what I had prayed for and what I had asked for and continued to, that he would you know, watch over me and help me to not eat just one more day. Um, I began to work for a company that was a grocery company. And I worked in the headquarters, and they would, believe me, there was food all around. They would have meetings, and I think, there we go. Sorry, folks. There we go. Keep those hands down, Pat. That's the Portuguese ancestry in me. I touch everything. <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah, let's see. Oh, yeah, with the food all around. And so, you know, I had to turn that over. We'd have our conference room filled with things, and I would cover it over, and I'd turn my back on it and have my lunch in that room. And as time went by, I removed myself. I'd go outside. Uh, you know, and have it in my car. We were in California. The weather was usually nice most of the time. Um, you know, as time went by, I saw that I really needed to um, do some more work on my program, more work on myself. And that has continued. And as I, I finished that job with 20 years in that company, and in that meantime, I found myself longing to come back to the East Coast. There was just something calling me back home. Now, mind you, coming back home, this is where a lot of my binge eating was. But you know what? I threw myself into the meetings. When I left the, the West Coast and came back, I felt like it was God's plan for me, that I needed to be where my people were as I was getting older and everything. I'm in my seventh decade, so you know, I wanted to be around my, my people. Um, I still have friends on the West Coast. I love them dearly. But I found that the meetings are just as good on the East Coast as they are on the West Coast. And my home meeting is the Saturday morning Room with a View meeting in Middletown, Rhode Island. And it's the best meeting ever. And if yours is not the best meeting, you better get another one because it really is wonderful. It's 9.30 in the morning. If you're ever in Middletown, Rhode Island at 9.30 in the morning on Saturday at the YMCA, join us. It's fabulous. So, you know, I can't. How, how much more time do I have, Marlene? Hmm? Nope, she's checking. 15? Oh, my goodness gracious. Let's see what I left out. Thir <laughs> You know, I was told to make notes before I came, just in case I blanked out. You know, and given the fact I told her I was 73, that could happen. You know, I could blank out. But I haven't so far. So, um, let's see. Oh, when I had moved from San Diego to Los Angeles, my program actually got stronger. Um, there were many, many meetings a day where I was. I was in Torrance. And if any of you remember, that's where World Service used to be. And, you know, I was very, very fortunate to be so close because I hated <clears throat> hated the fact of leaving uh, San Diego to go up north to Los Angeles. I'm going to have a sugar-free cough drop. Okay. There we go. <clears throat> but I threw myself even to, and to more and more meetings. And I find for myself that's what I need to do to stay close to this program you know, I have a God of my understanding that keeps me abstinent on a daily basis. But if I don't put myself in and around people who are like-minded, I could go back in a twinkling 
And I know that. You know, it's just like staying away from the sugar and the white flour and all of that. All important. But I need to be talking the same lingo with people who understand me. So, you know, I continue to do that. I continue to do that to this day. My first sponsor had encouraged me to sponsor other people. If I didn't give away what I'd been given, I wouldn't get to keep it. And I believe that. I so believe that. You know, I've been given a lot. And it, it's hard, you know, to sometimes come up here and do these things. <clears throat> I was worried my... Whoop, water. <clears throat> so glad my voice held out to now. Um, you know, I still sponsor people today. My sponsor couldn't be here this evening. She's in Arizona. And so... Um, you know, and she lives here, but she lives in Arizona. And so I said, well, I was told not to tell anyone that I was going to be the speaker because principles before personalities and my ego could really get in the way of this. And I asked God to help me with that, but I was allowed to tell my sponsor. And so I did. And then I told another person (laughs) and then I told another one. But when I got here, I really didn't stand in front of you all and say, hey, I'm going to be a a speaker. Wee! You know? No. I am one of you. I am one of you. I am no better. The 40 years of abstinence that I have today is because one day at a time, I put the fork down and I pick up the books. And I pray and I meditate. And meditation is hard for me. It really is. This mind is going... The second I wake up in the morning, it kicks right in. And I have to really turn myself over to God and know that if I do so, I'm going to be all right. And then I take calls from my sponsees. And I know me because I get in a role and I start trying to do this program by myself. And I need the help of having a sponsor. So we got together and we planned a certain day that I would definitely call her and a certain time. And I do that. And while she's out of state right now, I have not been doing that with the time difference. But I certainly will. And I talk to other people on the phone because that's important too. Um, Let's see. Anything else? Oh, relationships. My good. Such a big one. When I first got in program, I found my husband was going with me to the meetings when I started going to them closer to home because I found that I needed to have more than one meeting a week. I started going to meetings down in Chula Vista, California, and that's where I lived at the time. And so he would go with me, and then up in Torrance the same way when we moved up there. And he saw so many of these people, you know, they were getting rid of their weight, but they were getting rid of their husbands too. So, and I knew that I needed to let him know that, This program was the most important thing in my life. My abstinence was the most important thing in my life. But he was the most important person. And I learned from that, you know, that that anxiety that was there, that, oh, yeah, she's going to get rid of me, um, that I needed to make that evident that he was the most important person. Because he'd come in the door from work, and I'd be on the phone with somebody, you know, always on the phone with somebody. And I needed to make him aware that, well, that may be true, but you are it. You are my, my guy. And so that has been something that I've had to learn as we've gone along. You know, making amends, I'll get back to the 10th step and kind of piece in different things here. Um, I have to do that on a daily basis. I write a little 10th step in the evening before I go to bed. 
and, it, and it's a brief thing. And something else we started doing, John and I together are doing, three things we're grateful for, and we read it to each other. And that has really been very important for me because the negativity that can come in this mind, especially with the world we have today, it's very important that I surround myself with positive thoughts. And there is so much positive that happens in my life. And it seems that every day I will say I am grateful for the gifts of my abstinence and my sanity. So, so important for me because without my higher power, without my God, I wouldn't have either one. And I wouldn't be here. I really believe that. Uh, Let's see. I think that's pretty much what I have at this point. Um, Telling people that I need them is not the easiest thing in the world for me, but I cannot do it without you. I need to have all of you continue coming to these rooms. I need to listen to your stuff so that I won't feel like I'm such a weirdo when I share mine, you know? I need to know that I am a compulsive overeater. You may be too, but you know what? One day at a time, we can all recover. And close enough? Five minutes. You know what? I'm going to give you all a break. Because (laughs) I love you all. Thank you. Keep coming back.